0: Good morning, K-First family. Uh, real quick again, Ezekiel, I saw that you ju- you and your sister Bella just came in. There's a folder for you right in the back. And Bella, there's one for you too, so you guys can go and grab a folder. You missed that announcement. We want you guys to get those folders. How's everyone doing this morning? Great, thumbs up, happy new year. Um, I'm Pastor Carissa, and I'm the next-gen pastor here at K-First. And this is my husband, Noah. Uh, And today, oh, yeah, you can talk in that thing. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I guess I'll allow it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But we are excited and privileged to bring the first sermon of the year to you all this morning. And we're especially excited, as Pastor Kevin said, to have families all together. Um, As the Next Gen Pastor, I really believe in empowering our families to worship together, and so today is one of our first steps of implementing times where we all come together as our individual families, but also as our church family, and I'm just so excited. Um, And then I wanted to say, if you have itty-bitties or young kids I know mine's in the back and she's like looking at me like, Mom, why are you talking so loud? Why can I hear your voice and you're not close? Uh, But Noah and I are very used to talking over loud noises, so don't be concerned if your children start to make noise. Um, In fact, it would probably make us more comfortable. Uh, Not saying that adults, you guys have to start crying, but I mean, if you felt like it, that'd be fine Uh, if you need to. Um, so it's the first day of twenty twenty three. It's an entire year laid out before us. It's a somewhat blank canvas, although I know we have a few teachers in the room and people that work with students, and so I often feel like the new year is the interruption to a school year. Um, it feels like the new year should start in like September when school starts. But I'm excited to talk today about pursuing wisdom. I hope that you had wonderful holidays. Looks like we all survived the once-in-a-generation blizzard, and hopefully we're not too sweaty today as there's like a 30-50 degree difference outside. (laughs) It's crazy. Gotta love living in Michigan. And, you know, Within the last year or so, that I've transitioned into Next Gen, and so I'm overseeing birth through 18 and the family life here at K First. And I would just hate it if I didn't have the opportunity to extend to you all an opportunity to serve with our Next Gen team, from nursery and pre-K to Kids First, which is our elementary program, to helping with middle school and high school students in real, we have many opportunities for you to serve. And as you can look around and see some of the cute faces that are in here today and some of the wonderful noises that they make, (laughs) how can you not want to serve the next generation? I might be like 2% biased, but I think it's the best team to serve on just because you work with, yeah, Karen knows. She's working in that nursery a couple times a month. (laughs) It's a fun time, so if you feel so inclined, you can fill out a serve card um, and get in contact with me, and I can set up a time to have coffee with you and talk about the best fit to serve. And so as I've kind of taken, and Pastor Kevin has transitioned out of being in Kids First every Sunday, I've had the opportunity um, to really look at our curriculum and examine it and use it to its full potential. And something that you might not know is that since the beginning of August, the kids in Kids First, so kindergarten through sixth grade, have been talking through the Bible. So you'll see on the screen God's big story. And so we've been going book by book, story by story throughout the entire Bible. And if your kids are in Kids First and you haven't asked them to talk you through the stories, you should definitely give it a shot because these kids are really sharp. We have some very smart kids and I'm super proud of them because they remember. And each week we kind of review, we talk about creation and God creating the world and Adam and Eve. And we worked all the way through up until david and we were working on the importance of why david is so important because it comes to um, the christmas story right and jesus being of the line of david and so we've gone through and i thought it was super cool in worship today as we were singing the song and talking about the god of jacob the god of moses and i couldn't help but get excited because now your kids know those names and so that song probably meant more to them because they understood what it meant when they said, the God of Moses. Um, And so I'm just so excited to be taking them through this journey. And something that they're reminded of weekly is that God has plans for his people. So through every Bible story, we, we connect it to how God has plans back then, and he has plans right now. And so it's beautiful and we came to kind of the ending of last year with the story of jesus Um, but that's not the end right we know that there's more to the story because we had just talked about the birth of jesus so i'm excited in this new year to continue taking them through the entire bible and our curriculum is really cool it kind of has different themes that we go through so we've been to the circus We've been inside a comic book. We've gone rock climbing. All of these cool elements that tie all of the stories together for the kids. And then each month, there's a virtue and a memory verse that we're working on. And so today, Noah is going to share the month of January, what that's going to look like in Kids First.
1: Yeah. During the month of January, at Kids First, uh, Pastor Chris and the next team uh, will talk about the virtue of knowledge, uh, which is defined uh, this way. Uh, learning something new so you can be better at whatever you do. Uh, we draw the importance of knowledge from the January memory verse, which is in Proverbs 2.6, um, and that says, the Lord gives wisdom, knowledge, and understanding come from his mouth. And today, if we were in Kids Verse, we would be focusing on the story of the wise men, coming to visit a young baby Jesus and bring him gifts, uh, which is where we find ourselves today as big church. Um, For the reference, uh, the story of the wise men comes from uh, Matthew 2, 1 uh, through 12, but as the kids can tell you, I'm sure they can, uh, we don't often just read through the story. Oftentimes, Pastor Carissa or Pastor Kevin will have a story to go along with it. Sometimes the kids will act out the story, or occasionally there'll be a video to explain the Bible story. So today, we're going to walk through the story of the wise men for you instead of just reading it.
0: Yeah, I thought about having a couple volunteers come up and act it out, but I spared you guys that this time. Who knows, the next Family Sunday, be ready to act. Um, but before I give a creative retelling of the story of the wise men, uh, let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for a fresh and brand new year, God, and I just ask that as we listen and Hear about the story of the wise men and then how we can pursue wisdom this year as um, an individual, as our family, and as a church family. God, I just ask that you would open our hearts to hear from you, prompt us, be let us be sensitive to your Holy Spirit so that we can hear from you an area in which that we can work on this year. God, we thank you for your presence and we thank you for a fresh year, a fresh start. Lord, we love you and we praise you in your name. Amen. So I'm going to tell the story of the wise men, and it is geared more towards the kids that are in the room, but adults don't just tune me out. I think it's important because from some of the truths that we find in this simple story about the wise men, then we're going to springboard from that and uh, give you guys some takeaways as well. So in the beginning of the book of Matthew, we read about some of the other people who came to visit Jesus from far away. They were a group of wise scholars who lived far off to the east. These were the wise men. A lot of you have seen them depicted in nativity scenes, whether that's outside or in your home, right? We see them a lot this time of year, and we may know that they're the wise men, but sometimes I think we forget the importance of the wise men. So the Bible talks about the star that appeared and the wise man somehow knew that the star was important. And it doesn't really tell us how they knew that that star was important. So maybe they had learned about the star from Daniel, who had been an advisor to the king, or maybe they figured out what the star meant from ancient writings or scripts, like what we would call the Bible now, what they were learning from, or maybe God even spoke directly to them about the importance of the star. Again, scripture isn't exactly clear on how the wise men knew that they needed to follow the star, but it's important that they did. And it's important that they knew that they were following the star to see the new king of the Jewish people because they knew he had just been born. And so the wise men traveled with gifts fit for a king, and we'll talk a few in a few minutes about those gifts a little bit more. But they were led to the city of Jerusalem. And it was here that they began to ask around for the child that had been born to be the king of the Jews. Where he was, who was he? They knew where they were supposed to be, but they hadn't yet found him. And you see, there was a king at this time, and the king was named Herod. And, well, the king at the time, wasn't exactly excited that there were these wise men with really fancy gifts coming to worship someone or talk to someone that wasn't him. So he got a little bit jealous and a little bit angry, but he decided to ask the wise men to come and see him first. And it was in their time together with the wise men, with King Herod, that he asked them questions about why they were coming, what gifts they had for him. They, at, he asked them so many questions. He asked them about the star and what they knew. You see, King Herod really didn't want Jesus to be the new king, and so he had hatched a plan, and he told the wise men, hey, I'm going to bless you on this journey. You go out, you find the new king, and then bring him back to me. Bring his family here. I want to see him. I want to know him as well. But the wise men, um, they didn't quite yet know that King Herod didn't have good intentions in his heart. But King Herod did not. But he sent out the wise men, and the the wise men went on their way. And they were full of joy because the star had reappeared, the star that they had been following. And so they knew to follow it again. And the star went ahead of them, and they followed it until it stopped where Jesus was. Jesus and his family were now living in a house. It wasn't a baby. Jesus wasn't a baby anymore. He was a little bit older, still pretty young. But the wise men nonetheless came to him, and they gave him gifts fit for a king. The gifts were gold, frankincense, and myrrh which to us, like, gold sounds pretty good, but frankincense and myrrh, I'm sure. Like, I'll take it, I guess. But if you could just, like, triple the gold, that would be really nice, (laughs) right? But these kinds of gifts back in that day were gifts that they would only give the most powerful king. And so it was another sign of who Jesus was and who also Jesus would become. And so they gave the gifts, and then they were— getting ready to leave, and they had King Herod's request to come back and tell them more details about Jesus. And wouldn't you know it, that night God appeared to the wise men in a dream, and he told them not to return to King Herod, that Herod didn't have good things in mind and in plan for Jesus. And so the wise men listened and chose a different route for their trip home. I think that this is just such a cool story because we can learn something very important from the wise men. They wanted to find the truth for themselves and they had a very long journey. It was probably exhausting to follow a star for a couple years. That's crazy to think about. But they never gave up. They persevered and they kept going so that they could find the new king that had been born. So now, kids, uh, in the folder, if you haven't opened it already, there are some different activities. And adults will kind of get to the heavier meanings and the different things. But kids, feel free to look in your folder and start doing those activities if you haven't already.
1: Now, what I think is super cool about this story, uh, the story of the wise men, is that God shows us three different ways that we can pursue wisdom Uh, through prayer, talking with God, Uh, through the word, both Holy Scripture and Jesus himself, and through wise people. Um, Now, as Carissa and I have talked uh, about this whole thing, we've realized that we are not resolution people. It's just not for us. Like, we still don't have a gym membership. (laughs) Our back room is still a mess. Like, I know we're on day one, but even 2022's (laughs) goals not been completed. Um, But as we've talked through the sermon, we've realized Um, And we thought it would be really cool uh, if we thought about what it would look like if we took this next year to pursue wisdom in these three areas. Um, Like, what it would look like if we intentionally set out to have practical growth in the areas of prayer, pursuing wisdom through wise people, and through uh, the Word. And we've also thought about what that would look like if we did it as a church community. Um, What our lives collectively would look like if we did the same thing. Uh, So we want to talk about that today, starting with prayer. Now, prayer can sometimes feel like an overwhelming process, at least for myself, Um, but when you look at prayer, it's simply talking with God. At the most simple form, it's just talking with God. And when it comes to the importance of prayer in our own lives, we can look at the life of Jesus, the Son of God, God himself, regularly took time to go off and pray. And it's written throughout the Gospels, and it shows us the importance of us taking time daily to communicate with God. Now, when I think, when it comes to prayer, people, myself included, can often set lofty goals for praying like an hour a day, nonstop. And when the go- those goals don't happen, kind of like our gym membership, we kind of beat ourselves up and we feel like a bad Christian or an unholy Christ follower because we're not doing what we think we should be doing. But it's important to give ourselves grace and maybe start with something a little smaller, more tangible. Maybe taking three minutes to pray five times a day. The simple practice that we did together during worship is a great springboard to intentionally pursue wisdom through prayer. Use the same outline of using your hand and the people. And apply different topics. So today, we did wisdom, and you can easily pray, but you can easily pray for the health of different individuals. You can pray for um, how you can better show love to those individuals. Now, prayer itself isn't complicated, but it does take intention. Um, And just a little tidbit, when Carissa and I are stuck in a prayer rut, we often find ourselves turning to what Jesus says about prayer in Matthew six, five through 15, uh, which contains the Lord's Prayer. This chunk of scripture helps us to recenter and refocus our lives whenever we need some help guiding ourselves into prayer.
0: Yeah, I think for me what is especially wonderful about the Lord's Prayer is oftentimes I know that even if I am uh, praying and praying regularly, sometimes it's just me focused. And I get on, Lord, help me to do this. And I ask that, and I find that when I turn to the Lord's Prayer, it reminds me that prayer isn't always just about me. So it's a good reminder that, yes, God wants to hear those things, and he never hates when we talk to him about what's going on and when we ask him for things. But sometimes we just need to take the step and pray for other things and other people. And I, I think it's true, I know we talked about it, that we, we're just not resolution people, um, but we are good at following through with our intentions. And so that's kind of why this year we want to pursue wisdom together, because we set these lofty goals normally, these resolutions, and they end up fizzling out. Um, and I think a lot of times we set spiritual goals and resolutions, and those fizzle out. Um, but as we read through and talked about the man's story, Um, and how we can pursue wisdom through the Word. And so they probably read ancient scripts at the time, and I think a lot of times when we think of pursuing wisdom through the Word, that we think of just the Scriptures, we think of just the Bible. But today, I want to remind us all that we have more than just the Scriptures that's considered the Word. We have Jesus. And you see, one of our professors back in college, a dear friend and mentor to both Noah and I, Pastor Dennis Moles, ingrained in us this phrase, truer and better. When it comes to Jesus, he would always say, Jesus is the truer and better. He is the truer and better word. Word. And that has just been so meaningful in my life and in Noah's life as well. And we wanted to share that with you today. Because what this phrase means is that Jesus is the truer and better word. This concept comes from the book of Hebrews. And you can read all about it, but it's affirmed through scripture that Jesus is the living word. And the implication for us is that when we come to a situation in our life where scripture isn't clear on what we should do, because let's be a little bit honest, in our modern day world, we sometimes come to situations that the Bible does not talk about at all. It's like, um, did you guys forget to put the, like, my situation book of the Bible in here? Oh, I think they did. But so the implication is that we don't have to struggle or worry about what to do because we can look at the truer and better word. We can look at the person of Jesus and model our lives after that. You see, if you spend extended time in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you read about Jesus' life from the time he was born to the— time he passed and then ascended. You get the full picture or at least the full picture that we have of Jesus' life when you read the Gospels. And so maybe this year instead of setting out to read the entire Bible in a year, now don't get me wrong, if that is your goal I think there's beauty in reading the entire Bible, but maybe that seems a little bit too big and a little bit too scary Maybe just commit to reading through one gospel for, you know, two or three months at a time and focus on the actions of Jesus, looking at what he did and how he treated people. Because by doing that, you're beginning to understand who Jesus is and the better and truer word. And then you find, or at least I find, that it's not so hard when I come to a situation that I don't know what to do, when I think of the actions Jesus did when he caught a woman in adultery, when he talked to the woman at a well, the way that he treated his disciples, it becomes very clear to me on how to handle different situations. But that takes me knowing the truer and better word. It takes me knowing Jesus personally to do that. And so I would just encourage you that that could be a way that you pursue wisdom through the truer and better word this year. And I know that something that can kind of come up when we're talking about being Christ followers and following in the way of Jesus and modeling our lives after him is, what if I extend too much grace to someone? And if I can be honest, I don't think that as humans, we're ever able to extend too much grace to someone. Because when I look at the personhood of Jesus, I never see him withholding grace. And I firmly believe that when it comes to the truer and better word, who is Jesus, that we cannot love someone too much, nor can we extend too much grace. So if, as a community of faith, And as individuals, we took this year to pursue wisdom through the word that is Jesus. I can only imagine what our own lives would look like, but also as a community of believers, what we would look like to the world.
1: And staying on the top of community, uh, we come to wise people. Uh, We're not meant to live life alone. I think many of us have discovered that community is incredibly important to our livelihood. And as Christ followers, we're a part of a vast community of believers from various different backgrounds and faith. I myself have roots in the Southern Baptist, Westland, and Assemblies of God tradition. And I have close friends and mentors within the Church of God, Anglican, and Lutheran churches. And some of us, shout out to Lisa Brightup, have been born in this church and will probably die in this church. And that's a beautiful thing. Because it means that each and every one of us have different backgrounds and different perspectives that we can bring to the table. Carissa and I have found that being willing to listen to different perspectives of wise people is key in pursuing wisdom. The first, so Carissa and I are first-time parents. Junie's been trying to get away from Lisa this whole time. (laughs) Um, And we think we're doing a pretty good job with her, but we never want to assume. So we've made it intentional action to reach out to people who we believe have great parenting styles and who are raising their kids well. Because even though we think we're doing a good job, we want to pursue uh, a truer and better life for her. Uh, And we want to do the same in our pursuit of wisdom in Christ. I think one of the most beautiful things about the incarnation of Christ is that Jesus, as a human, had to pursue wisdom. He had to learn. Mm -hmm. Luke 2, 41 through 52, teaches us that as a child, Jesus sat with teachers in the temple, asking them questions and learning and listening to what they had to say. And at the end of that passage, it says that Jesus grew in wisdom. Now, what if in this new year, we made a point to seek out wise people and ask good questions? Right, one of my favorite podcasts I listen to is called Ologies, and it just breaks down different ologies, you know, theology, all of it. And their kind of tagline is, ask smart people dumb questions and it's something i've tried to do in my own life and i think it's a wonderful practice so if jesus himself benefited benefited from the practice of asking smart people dumb questions how could we now sometimes pursuing wisdom looks like sharing a meal with someone who has a different perspective or background and honoring their story and not trying to persuade them or change them it's allowing yourself to practice self control you are helping yourself to become wise in those situations, the same way that God himself learned from his own creation. Uh, Pursuing wisdom through wise people could also look like intentionally setting out one dinner or coffee with someone you admire and asking them good questions about their life and faith. Now, the Bible is pretty clear about surrounding yourself with wise company, but I think it's also important not to overlook the opportunities where you can be a wise person in someone else's life.
0: What I find um, just so exciting is that these three areas of pursuing wisdom through prayer, the word, and through wise people all just came from that simple, you know, five-minute retelling story of the wise men coming to visit Jesus. Because of the wise men's obedience, we have a profound challenge in pursuing wisdom it's what I've loved about taking the kids through all of these stories is because oftentimes I think we get to a certain point in our faith, in our walk with God, where it's like, yep, I know what Moses did. That was pretty cool. But to retell these stories to the kids and be weaving in and out the story that God has and the redemptive arc that he has in all of our lives and how he has purposely orchestrated all of these things to redeem us back to him is just so incredibly beautiful. And so one thing that stands out to me in the wise story that we haven't yet really talked too much about is the timeline of the wise men's travel. So we know that it took a little bit of time, but we also know that they didn't drive a car right? They didn't hop on a train, and they certainly didn't hop on a plane to do this, right? They were likely on foot, and maybe, maybe if they were lucky, they maybe had a donkey or two on their travels. But so when we think about their journey, I mean, I don't really like, I mean, I enjoy walking. Miss Janice and I, and when the weather's nice, we enjoy some nice long walks together, but I can't imagine following a star, which, you know, is only available to be seen for half of the day, so I don't know if they slept during the day. There's not a lot of details, but walking on foot is in itself just a challenge, right? But it was what people did at that time. But it likely took months, if not years, for them to complete. And so their journey was one of obedience. And it took time, and it took community. I could imagine that if it were just one wise man, that the journey wouldn't have been completed. I think that God was intentional when he sent a group together. And so for just uh, the next few moments before I wrap up, I want to talk about pursuing wisdom like the wise men, pursuing it with obedience, with time, and with community, because I think this alone speaks volumes. And I also think it presents a challenge to us, As a community of faith, our lives would look entirely different one year from now, standing together, sitting here together, talking together, if we took time and committed to pursuing wisdom, both personally and as your families, but also, again, as a corporate church family. You see, pursuing wisdom Noah and I have given you guys A few small things to do in these areas of prayer, the Word, and through pursuing wisdom through wise people. And I think sometimes we get caught up in the fact of, okay, I need to do these things, so I have to add this to my schedule, and add this, and add this, and add this, and we have to do more, and do more. And there's that pressure, and I think a lot of that is kind of our culture and our society, is that we have to do more. But I want to relieve some of that pressure. Because I think, if we're honest, there are lots of little areas in our life and little ways that we can implement these little challenges. So like Noah said, through prayer, taking three minutes five times a day. You know, and I was kind of thinking and when we were writing, and I kind of said, oh yeah, like three minutes five times a day. You know, that could be as simple as when you're brushing your teeth in the morning. And then if you, you know, brush your teeth at night, which you're supposed to do right? So that's two times a day. And then if you think about your drive to work and your drive home from work, there's another time. And if you think, oh, on my lunch break, like just like that, it's that simple. Those times that you already have in your day to do these things, and I hesitate to call them little things because they're not little at all, but it's finding the time in your everyday functional life to implement some of these And I think there is times when you have to sacrifice some of your time to be more intentional. Like there is an element of that, but to take it all in at once and overwhelm yourself, that's kind of where the resolution, fizzling mindset kind of comes. So it's not that we want to add more to your life, but we want to challenge you to find the ways in which you can pursue wisdom through prayer through the word, and through wise people. Because I think it's so vitally important. And so today, as we kind of wrap up and we get ready to go, maybe with your families on the drive home, you can talk about different things that you can implement and have accountability in your small community. And then also, if you are here alone, maybe you have a friend that you're in a table with Reach out to them sometime this week and have a conversation because, like the wise men, the community is important in this journey because we're not meant to do it alone. And so that's really all we have today, but it's not very simple and it's not very easy, but I think it's doable and it's manageable. And we are here as a church family to support one another in pursuing wisdom, because I really would like to see us gathered here in a year and be talking about the stories of the things that came from just our simple actions of pursuing wisdom each day. So let's pray together. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the wise men for their trust in the promise of a king, and their willingness to be obedient and follow the star. God, may we remember from their story that we can pursue wisdom through prayer, through word, and through wise people. Help us not to forget that their journey required obedience, time, and community. Help us to identify both individually And corporately, the ways in which we can take steps to pursue wisdom this coming year. God, be present with us on this journey. In both the successes that happen and the failures, may we feel your peace and your presence. God, you are so good to us. And we are so thankful for you, for your Son, and for your Holy Spirit. God, and I just ask that as we go into this new year, that we would take time to sit and listen to you and ask you where you want us to be a year from now. God, and when you present us with something that might seem scary, give us the confidence and the trust in you. God, and I just pray for our community of faith here at k First. God, and as we come together this year as a family, God, I just ask that relationships would grow and would deepen and that we would have accountability with one another.